0: Welcome to VGK Today, presented by MGM Rewards, a daily podcast bringing you an inside look at the Vegas Golden Knights 2023 Stanley Cup playoff run. I'm Justin Russo with the Golden Knights on Saturday, June 3rd, and the day has finally arrived. Tonight at 5 p.m. from the Fortress, it's Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. These two teams are ready to go, And so too are their entire fan bases, both looking to capture their first ever Stanley Cup. Before we get into things today, I want to let you know about all the fun happening later at T-Mobile Arena and Toshiba Plaza before the game. Today, of all days, is a great one to get down to Toshiba Plaza because early at 2.45 p.m., Marshmallow will perform for free to fans on the plaza. You do not need a ticket to the game to attend. All you need is to get down there and have a good time. We're also going to have Revolt Tattoos back at the Plaza for the first two games of the series, and some custom skywriting with some fun messages ahead of Game 1. And if you don't have a ticket to the game, well, you can simply stick around on Toshiba Plaza, as there will be a watch party outside the arena for both home games to start the series, including today, of course, for Game 1. Again, the free Marshmallow concert begins at 2.45 p.m., but you can come as early as 2 p.m., as that's when things officially kick off on Toshiba Plaza. Well, ahead of Game 1, there is a lot to unpack and analyze before the puck gets dropped, so today we turn things over to Brian McCormick, who sat down with NHL analyst Billy Jaffe to do just that.
1: Brian McCormick on VGK Today, and this is a Stanley Cup Media Day edition of VGK Today as we're joined by NHL Network analyst and Sports USA broadcaster Mr. Billy Jaffe. And Billy, thanks for taking a few minutes uh, before things get going uh, for Game 1.
2: Pleasure to sit and talk hockey, get... uh... A little media day meal, right? And uh, get ready for the Stanley Cup. Media day is always a long day, but it's always a fun day. You get to see a lot of people that you haven't seen in a long time. I, you, you show up at media
1: day and you're thinking about, okay, what players are you going to hear from? What storylines are we going to learn about? But on the other side of being able to hang out as, as much as I have today, there, there's a bit of a, uh, a convention feel for it, too. Every, every media person in, that you see in the NHL world is, is here today and uh, lots of meeting and greeting
2: going on. Yeah, and... You know, for many of us, it's an opportunity to if we ha- if we haven't seen each other in a while, it's a great way to you know it's a great way to reconnect. And we sit down and you and you BS and you have a good time, right? And you're like, yeah, you know, we're how you been this all that stuff. But then hockey's the connectivity, the underlying thing, not even underlying, the overlying thing that brings us all together. And it's it's fun it, you get to meet people like I get to meet you, and it's it it's great. I've been very fortunate. I don't know how many I've done now, but uh, between you know, conference finals and Stanley Cup, it's, it's it's been a good run, and it's always fun. It's always, it's funny, you know, you're always like, all right, you repack for the, the Stanley Cup, and you're like, okay, and it's big travel usually, right? And this year's no different. And you're like, okay, here we go again. And then you're, not that you're dreading it by any stretch, but you're like, it's a lot of prep, right? And then you get on the plane, and you're like, okay, here we go. It's it's, it's good. And then you get to the arena, and you're like, all right, game on, baby. Let's Let's get after the cup.
1: And especially in your position, broadcasting games and the days in between games, you're talking hockey all the time. But it's such a long journey from the start of the playoffs to the Stanley Cup final. And that's if you're invested in your own team. If you're trying to cover the entire league, I imagine you mentioned all the storylines and the prep work. You're probably recalibrating that all the time. Two weeks go by, and it's, okay, I thought I might need to have a little bit more for Boston and Toronto. I'm not going to need that anymore. Now I'm focusing on these
2: guys a little bit more. Exactly right. Um, And and I cover the Boston Bruins. I do um, almost all of their games for Nesson. And so obviously you get fixated or really intensified on your team. And obviously the Bruins had uh, quite a uh, disappointing performance in, in round one. But then I go, so I, I call it hockey stupid sometimes, or, you know, because I'm like, I'm so focused on hockey, hockey, but even more intense on the Bruins. And I'm like, all of a sudden after that round, I'm like, oh, I got to remember now. Now the Bruins were out. I was thinking I'd keep working for them. Now I'm like, all right, I'm going back to NHL Network, and I've got eight teams left that I got to figure out. Thankfully, I knew the Florida Panthers because I'd seen them for seven games. But, no, it, you know, there's there's great storylines. There's What I always look for, and a little tangent here is, there's always the, the normal st- standard storylines that are important, right? But I always find, and, and I learned this very early in my career, and I know this kind of sounds kind of obvious and cliche, but I had to hear it. I once had a GM say to me, hey, you know what? Bring the facts, Do a, but tell me something I don't know. And it seems obvious, right? But it, when I heard it as a young just falling into the hockey broadcasting world after having played but never broadcast. He's like, just tell me something I don't know. That's what we're all looking for, and I took that to heart. And so I always try and find one little nugget here or there that maybe somebody hasn't heard before. And if you do that, I think you're successful. So that's what I—that's I, what I'll do tonight. I'll, you know, I'll have a nice meal at one of these, you know, three thousand restaurants here in Vegas. But then I'll figure out—I'll I'll go inside stuff and I'll make some calls and I'll find out. Maybe tell me something about somebody we didn't know before. And you know what else is great? We're talking to Billy
1: Jaffe. When you're working with hockey players, I think more so than other athletes, sometimes we laugh about how, how robotic they can be when the camera's on to get pucks in deep and stick to systems. But when the cameras are off, it's a, it's a very conversational and low-ego player that you're typically going to encounter. So when you're looking for those nuggets, when you're just shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder chatting with a guy, I'm sure uh, today, again, you're going to learn a lot from players, that you've even players you've been covering for a while, that there's always something new and, and there's an openness,
2: especially when they're talking to a hockey person like yourself. There is, but you have to earn their trust. I think that goes for life in general, but especially, I think, pro athletes. uh, And and, and really where they say, hey, you know, if I tell you – it's not if I tell you something – look, they're going to tell you something off the record. You know, you better not, you know. But on the other hand, just to get that kind of information that, you know, we think is harmless, but as you say, the guys don't normally share, just to get that, you've got to earn their trust. that Hey, you know, if I tell them that, uh, you know, I like this or I like – you know it's going to come out the right way and so no I I love sitting down in the room afterwards with guys uh, just BSing with them and you know asking the the great example was before game one of the Carolina Florida series that I worked uh, I was there uh, in the tunnel outside the Canes locker room and I was just working on uh, getting ready for arrival interviews and Brent Burns was there uh, doing his sticks and he brought three out and I've known Brent for years but not, not like you know not best buddies but acquaintances that's about it and he just said to me, what, what flex are you using now because the way that sticks have changed yeah, you know everybody's gone from high to low for more torque and all that and he says no I, I don't change I'm using 130 or 135 I'm like holy smokes I said I haven't heard except for Chara yeah. who, who used like 155 it's like a redwood tree that Chara used to use <laughs> it's an aluminum bat right yeah <laughs> it was unbelievable like he, he says no I, you know what I've got my reasons I don't like to change this, that. and you know what that little stuff right there I think is hockey broadcaster gold because it tells you a little. maybe you only use it once but it, it just not only does it show that you're doing your work but it gives the fan the listener something a little different where they're like oh I, I always thought guys now were going to 85. Even mm-hmm. a guy like Ovechkin used to use 100 and whatever, and I think he's down into the 90s now or whatever. So, anyways, those are the kind of things I look yeah. for. And things change.
1: As a guy who used to play hockey, I used to use a Naslin curve. I have no idea what that would be these days. I don't
2: think it's around anymore. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'll have to do more shopping. We're with Billy Jaffe. Let's start to look at the, the series that we're prepping for. And I think it's an interesting dichotomy. A, a fan who has not been following on closely or a non hockey fan would say, okay, we've got a one versus eight. But on the Vegas side, you have a team that in the Western Conference, but I didn't think necessarily got the, respect is too strong of a word, but no one was looking at them as world beaters coming to this playoffs. I feel like we heard more about what kind of run Edmonton can go on. do you get the same kind of swagger respect that one seeds often do. And on the other side, you have a Florida Panthers team that is an eighth seed and you're, you are what your record says you are, but we're also expected to do much more coming into this season and maybe they hit their stride at the right time. So I don't know if 1-8 is, is a fair surface representation of what we're about to see.
2: Probably not. I couldn't agree with you more. So Florida, having won President's Trophy last year, didn't flicker out like the Bruins did in round one, but only made it to round two, and got beat pretty good in round two by Tampa in the previous year. Um, But because there was a lot of unknown about them, and there was so much inconsistency to their game, so much inconsistency all year long until feb march really i mean really just blatant inconsistent that was is the old saying that was the only thing they were consistently good at was being inconsistent for a long time then they figure it out and so they get in and they're not a typical eight seed um they've got um really an interesting group of players there having watched them in the last series and so a lot of people are looking at him as kind of the darling so to speak you know that 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 we all love an underdog right everybody loves the sports underdog and um, people are saying, you know, every look, I'm raising my hand. I know this isn't a, 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 a video, but this is an audio medium that we're doing right now, but I'm raising my hand. I picked them to lose each series that they were in, right? They're yeah. a David that's beaten three Goliaths it, at this it, point. Exactly. And so they get that. So, um, you know, but you, you, you look at them, and, and the truth is about them, too, you know, their leader, their best player is, is Kachuk right but their leader Sasha Barkov who's been there for a long time he's incredibly quiet yeah. he's incredibly understated um, he's a big man he's a hell of a hockey player he's awesome but he doesn't resonate with people and you know like he's not a, as much as he is a superstar he's not mm-hmm. treated like that and so I think that's kind of how the team kind of gets looked at as well and with regard to your the, the Vegas Golden Knights they didn't get as much love because a lot of people kept saying, Colorado's going to be okay when they get everybody back, which they never did. Mm-hmm. And kudos to uh, Seattle yeah. for really stepping up. That was fun. And you're right, Edmonton has the uber stars. They've got Mister McEverything in McDavid, and then the second coming of the second coming, so to speak, in Drysdale. Right. And so that got all the attention, the media attention, and I think that helped Vegas. though. So. I do because vegas of almost all teams and i think you could say this of florida maybe this is why we're sitting here talking about these two teams vegas by by not really having to have the hype and all that they were able to play to their identity what they are they didn't try to be something that they aren't we've seen it a few games here there we hear from bruce cassidy when the team doesn't do this doesn't do that you know but when they are on their game they're structured shot suppression especially second shot suppression type game and get their pace going up front their depth their four lines we
1: know how good they are with Billy Jaffe, and you've mentioned, of course, your work with Nesson and being around the game as long as you have. You know Bruce Cassidy yep. well. Sometimes it might be a, a cliché to say that, oh, that's a team that uh, personifies their coach or that you know, their coach's personality transfers to the way the team plays. But with Bruce Cassidy, everything is so calm and methodical and structured that it kind of does feel that way. When you hear him speak, it translates very well to, to the way his team
2: performs. I No, I agree. And his, you know... His structure is, he's an awesome coach. He is, he's an awesome coach. And his structure is key. Now, you can say a lot of that, about that a lot of teams, their structure. But, you know, and, and by the way, he, he'll admit this, and I'm sure he has before. You know, he, he, in Boston, when he took over for Clo Julian, mm-hmm. he didn't really change much in the D zone from what Claude Julian had done because he had coached in Providence, he saw it work, he liked it, he appreciated it, he knew that the players liked it. So my, my, my point is this is something that he's done for a while, and he, and now he had to bring it here, and it's translated to obviously do a lot of success. And his system works. His structure works. Um, and, you know, you're seeing a real Bruce Cassidy team when you're talking. How many goals have they used this year here now? Five? Five, five yeah. right? I mean, that's kind of proof in the pudding yeah. right there that when it's the attention to his style, his structure, his details is taken because of the way he can relate it to the guys, he can do that well, then I, I, that's Bruce Cassidy to a T right there. What he, he's, a, he's a fantastic coach. He always has been. This is a series that sets us up with both teams. The Stars have played like stars. Matthew Kachuk has
1: been terrific and is also showing that he's got the uh, – the stones for the big moment on the vgk side everyone was so curious what jack eichel was going to look like in his first playoff performance and he's looked fantastic throughout and now has a chance to to make his mark on a stanley cup final
2: i know that's something a lot of people were talking about today yeah and rightfully so we all you know as much as we like underdogs in this sports world of ours we also love stars right and they get a lot of attention that's why they're stars uh matthew kachuk has been um he has been – it's not – what's the word I'm looking for? its He's been awe-inspiring, really. I mean, you know, he's not the prettiest player at all. He is just a, a – holy smokes, as you said, the stones, the cojones, whatever you want to – the term you want to use and keep it clean enough. He just – he's got it. He's got the gusto. And um, it's no – it's – it's its no joke, right, like what he brings to, to the ice. And, you know, what I've really loved about his game, right, is how during – the regular season he took a lot of penalties and sometimes you'd be like well that's not a great penalty oh that's a little too much matt come on and he's dialed that back and he's leading the league now in the playoffs of penalties drawn Mm -hmm. by the opponent now that's probably because he's around the puck a lot and second of all because he pisses you off a lot too right but he's not taking that many penalties and so that says to me smarts his hockey sense is sublime it's excellent jacks look great too um you know, I. You know better than me. You've seen it more. It took him a little bit to, to get going, but you can make the argument it took the team. You know, a little short. Sure. Um, he he mentioned today. He's like, well, game one against Winnipeg, I was a little nervous, and the entire
1: VGK squad looked a little bit like that game one of round one. But right. that that uh, melted away quick.
2: Right, and I, I think I remember texting Bruce Cassidy much earlier in the season when Jack was doing. Remember how great start that he had, and I just asked him. I asked because I was doing NHL Network stuff and. He, Butch just talked about – Bruce talked about how appreciative but also how much Jack respected both ends of the ice. He's been our best 200-foot player. He's been great in his own zone. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's working the angles while he's doing everything, right? And then I think, you know, that's hard to keep up all season long. A few guys can do that. Barkov can't. Uh, Bergeron can't, right? Those kind of guys. Kopitar, phenomenal player. Jack's still getting that. But what I've loved about his game lately – is how he's back to that again. How, how effective, responsible, and impactful he's been in both zones. And I've watched Jack since he's been in college at, at BU for that short term. But I just love the, 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 the lope, his the stride, right? And when he gets going and the arms are moving and the jersey's flapping a little bit, you're still seeing that. But you're seeing him work his, his backside off as much in the D zone, which is so important.
1: With Billy Jaffe, who's going to work this series for NHL Network and also for Sports USA on the radio, Uh, you worked the Carolina-Florida series, as you mentioned. I know one of the storylines we're curious about is rest is good. How much rest is too much rest? I believe game four in Carolina was May 23rd, 24th, a while ago already. Is there such thing as, as too much rest? And even if that is a thing, does it necessarily extend beyond game one?
2: Well, the Anaheim Ducks in 2003, when you were much younger, I don't know if you remember that series and I would argue that they had too much rest. But I believe they were nine games. It was the 10th day in between games. Like, they had nine full days off. Yeah. And they would argue that they lost their momentum. Jiguer was still great in that series. He was MVP, right? But they never really got their their rhythm going. I think they were still mighty then, mm. by the way.
3: They were. Okay.
2: Mighty and maroon. Right, mighty, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that this is probably at the precipice of being enough too much for Florida. They're an emotional a team that's I, – I, it's the all-for-one, one-for-all attitude that they've had all playoff long. Us against the world, right? As you say, Goliath, David Goliath. Um, I think if they went much further, that would be a detriment to them. I think they're at the cusp of being okay. Um, this is a team that plays with a lot of energy – a little freneticism, well, more than a little, a lot of freneticism. They love to create chaos in the own zone. It's good, simple hockey. Hard nose, get in. That F1, the four checker, has been really effective at creating uh, discombobulation for the defense and leading the turnovers galore in every series. They lead the league in goals scored within five seconds after a turnover in the playoffs. Um, and it's not like two. It's I don't remember the number. It's yeah. pretty significant. So I, they need that energy. They need it, you know, because this is going to you're going to build back up. I think they're going to be okay. But but this is I, I would say if you had to say is there any advantage? I'd say it's a little probably advantage in that Vegas has had just enough time off, and now they're like oh we're still in this routine this rhythm. But Florida has done some things where they've practiced more than not practiced. There haven't been too many days off to keep them involved. I guess the proof on the proverbial pudding or whatever will be, you know, Saturday night at 520 when they drop the puck. And it's interesting,
1: Billy, you mentioned the 2003 uh, Ducks run and how that centered around, that made J.S. Jaguar famous, right. more famous. You come to today, and Sergei is having a pretty Jaguar-like postseason. He's got a couple of Vezinas. We expected a little more from him, perhaps. Um, but he's had such a great run in these playoffs. What do the Golden Knights need to do to, to maybe make him I don't even know if less comfortable is, is the fair thing to say. He's been facing 50 shots a night. How do they poke a hole in Sergei Bobrovsky?
2: Well, his game has been really stout, understatement. The last series was awesome. I had the, the good fortune of, you know, one of the assignments I have is doing ringside for Sports USA, and oftentimes I've had two periods on his end where I'm on the glass and I'm watching him, and his ability to find pucks has been outstanding through, through traffic. His ability to rebound control has been Awesome. He gets very he's not a huge goalie. He's not 6'3, 6'4. He's listed at 6'2. And I don't know, but he's close if he is. He's not one of those new age, you know, behemoth 6'4, 225 guys. So he relies on his athleticism a lot. He gets very low, then lower than other goalies. He he brings his paddle down lower than guys. That's why he gets beat a lot on the blocker side. Yet the last round or two, he's been excellent there. So I think he's tweaked a little something in his set there. With all that said, It just has to be traffic. If there's not enough traffic, at least to me. Now, this is a guy, again, who played a lot of hockey. Now he's had these seven whatever it is days off. I'm most curious to see if it affects him because of the role that he's been on. He's been outstanding. If you let him see the puck, there's a really good chance that he's really, I mean, gonna stop it you know i don't see pucks going through him and not i haven't seen it this playoffs now the bruins early on but i think he was partly rusty there mm-hmm. they put up four or five, six goals mm-hmm. in one game and I
1: mean, they started that series with with alex outside.
2: Lyon. yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I mean if they don't uh, you know cliche 101 for scoring goals get guys in front of them but you're gonna need multiple guys you gotta you gotta buzz the tower so to speak you know and and get some skates not in the but close to that crease And I think you have have to have layered Mm -hmm. attack. You have to have a mid, low, low, low-mid, whatever you want to term it. Um, And the other thing is, I mean, in the past, side-to-side for him sometimes, the book on him is that he has overplayed stuff, and he's opened up on his movement. Some goalies stay tight. Other goalies, he'll look to make a real. One of the things that was his detriment, to his detriment a couple of years ago, Brian, was how hard he would push going side-to-side, and he would almost overplay Mm -hmm. and open up. He seems to have trunk that, brought that back in. But the only way you can test that is if you get him moving
1: laterally. Last one before we let you go, Billy. Again, this is a Stanley Cup final. Both teams should feel pretty good about themselves, but you have a Golden Knights team that's got here playing to their identity and a Panthers team that has, again, beaten some big teams, but also uh, taken care of business pretty quickly since the Boston series as well. So two teams that feel good about themselves. Is there any particular matchup or, or... Portion of the game that that you really zone in on as being key for how this is going to turn out.
2: Um, I have a few, but the w- number one thing I, is going—it's got to be the forwards of Florida's ability to not just get pucks in, but to uh, to really get to their—they they love to change the point of attack, using the back of the net. Even oftentimes, it's a simple, real ripper out, hard rim around from one side to the other, and then get after their forecheck. So the, the forwards' ability to do that against the really physically imposing very structured Vegas defense Um, the Bruins defense on paper was very good this year they didn't play very well in the playoffs they struggled with the Panthers ability to create chaos ability to create uh, openings Um, Toronto's not as good they even though those games were close still Florida did their thing Carolina has a good defense. They do, but they're not as physical as Vegas' defense. And good size, though. I don't know pound for pound, the same exact same thing, but the the sheer size and the ability for this Vegas defense to play like they can, I think that could be a mega matchup to determine who wins the series. Florida forward, Vegas D. Billy Jaffe,
1: Sports uh, Sports USA and uh, NHL Network. Uh, Really appreciate you sitting down with us, and uh, we'll be
2: tuned in all week. Always good to meet a, I wasn't a Long Islander native, but uh, a fellow Long Islander as well for a couple of years. I'm sure we have burgers in the same place. We'll, uh,
1: we'll exchange oh, yes. notes. Yeah.
2: yes, Bagels too. Yes, yes, bagels too.
1: Thank you, Billy. Yep. Let's head back to Justin Russo.
0: Thanks to Brian and Billy for breaking things down ahead of game one. Before we leave, I'm going to add some more context for you, as well as let you listen in on what some of the Golden Knights had to say during yesterday's media day. For this series, of course, with teams being in opposite conferences, we have a bit less to draw on as we head into the final than we did for the previous ones. These two teams played only twice this season, with each taking a victory on home ice. The first came on January 12th in Vegas, where the Knights took a 4-2 victory, and interestingly, it was the same goalie matchup that we'll have for the final, as Aiden Hill stopped 37 of 39 shots and outdueled Sergei Bobrovsky in the team's first matchup of the season. The second game came on March 7th, where the Panthers took a narrow 2-1 victory on home ice on goals from Ryan Lonberg and Alexander Barkov. You may remember this game a bit more because it was the last game Aiden Hill played in the regular season. Despite a strong performance, Hill sustained a lower body injury that left him sidelined until the second round of the postseason, when he eventually took over for Lauren Brossoit after his injury. So, at the very least, Aiden Hill, with getting that game in, has two games against the Florida Panthers this year. And... You talk about the carousel of goaltenders that the Vegas Golden Knights had. It's pretty impressive that the same goaltender that we're going to have for the final, Aiden Hill, actually played in both of the games against the Panthers this season. Now, I could jump into a bunch of stats about those games, uh, but not only is the sample size of two games simply just too small, these teams have changed so much since they last played that you kind of have to throw the book out and just focus on what's ahead in this final. Vegas was still building their game in the midst of their strong late season push, while Florida was looking just for some consistency and fighting for their playoff lives. So much has changed since March 7th, so let's just look ahead to tonight and see what lies ahead for this Stanley Cup final. There was a lot said by the VGK in terms of their thoughts heading into this series and heading into Game 1 specifically, so let's start with Mark Stone and Aiden Hill to get their thoughts on playing the Florida Panthers.
3: I mean, they're clearly playing the best hockey of their their season, right? And they're playing at the right time. Um, They got good depth at... uh... At forward, defense, and their goaltenders playing playing great. So, um, but we're playing good too. Uh, we like the way we're playing. Um, I, think we, I mean, it's different, right? We played Edmonton a bunch. you knew them. you knew Dallas. So it's a little different. But um, yeah, they got some some high end talent. Uh, they got some guys who work, and, and their goaltenders playing really well. Do any of the tendencies of the Panthers'
0: find new team face maybe a frequently this season?
3: God, I'm, I'm, not really, I'm not really focusing on the other 31 teams or 30 teams. <laughs> hard for me to say and to compare them to, to another team. I think they're a lot different than the teams we've played so far. So, um, you know, these last couple of days have been important for us. What makes them difference? I think they're a pretty aggressive team. Um, you look at their defense, they're up in the rush. Uh, they four-check hard. They're three, three men in on a four-check or deep pinch. Um, you know, they... They do a lot of that stuff to to try and disrupt your opponents and um so we're gonna have to be pretty uh pretty good with our execution um to 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 manage that
0: yeah i think it's just playing our game i mean no matter what team we play against in this league i mean florida obviously they're hot right now they've knocked off three of the top four teams in the league to get here so they're a good hockey team but i think if we just focus on our game and worry like i think we have a lot of depth in our lineup so we just roll four lines play our game i don't I don't think if we play our best, any team in this league can beat us. Aiden Hill confident in his squad with just four wins separating them from a Stanley Cup and looking to get that first Stanley Cup in Vegas Golden Knights history. But the guy in the other crease is not going to make this easy. Sergei Bobrovsky is playing the best hockey, really, of his career, and he's been one of the driving forces behind Florida getting to this spot. Now we could sit here and talk about how to get traffic in front of Bobrovsky and try to get him off his game, which some of the Golden Knights alluded to, but... Instead, I just want to leave you with this answer that I got from William Carrier when I asked him about how he plans on getting to Sergey Bobrovsky.
2: In person, I don't really know where I shoot, so I just put it on net and it goes in whatsoever, so right? So uh, hopefully Jack and these guys that actually aim are
0: actually planning on something. Well, I hope Jack will figure out something on Sergey Bobrovsky then if William Carrier is simply going to be blindly shooting toward him. But working out pretty well so far this season for Will Carrier. 16 goals in the regular season, another two in the postseason, including one in Game 6, the clinching Game 6 for the Vegas Golden Knights to help them win the Western Conference. Shifting gears now from Sergey Bobrovsky to a couple of the forwards that have been driving things for the Florida Panthers, you look at Matthew Kachuk and Alexander Barkov. Those two guys are the superstar forwards on this Florida Panthers team. And to give you a good idea on how those guys operate, I'm going to let you listen in on to what Florida Panthers head coach Paul Maurice had to say on his two-star players.
4: Obviously, Matthew's a loud personality on the ice. What's he like? Do you have any stories about him, interactions through this year that uh, you, know, you guys have had a lot of tough he's moments? He's the on? exact opposite off the ice. So the first week he's here. He takes all the trainers out. Every interaction, you going to talk to him. So I'm still learning about him as a player early on. It's always the same answer. Actually, between him and Barkov, I don't care who I play with. I love playing with that guy. I love playing with that guy. I love playing with that guy. So when he and Barkov get together on the ice, it's pretty good, as you would expect, right? And and, and they haven't played enough together to fully get some sort of chemistry going. But they both understand we are a far more powerful team if they they don't play together. And they're happy with that. Like, they love playing with... uh, Sasha Barkov says I'll play with anybody, and he means it, which is very unusual. But Matthew has a, a sense of the, what each guy can do, and he, will, he has the ability to tailor his game to those different people. When you think of all the different, extremely different left-wingers, right? Verheggie's played left wing there, completely different game than Luster Reinen, who's been very good there, and then Cousins. He has the ability to kind of, a bit of a chameleon on the ice, except he ends up in that front anyway at the end. But but he has the ability to adapt to different people very, very well.
0: Some high praise from Florida Panthers head coach Paul Maurice on Matthew Kachuk and Alexander Barkov, two of the guys that make things happen up front for this Florida Panthers team. And I think listening to what Paul Maurice was saying about those two guys, you can start to find some similarities between how the Golden Knights operate and the Florida Panthers, not only in terms of on the ice, and we talked about, you know, rolling four lines, the depth that they have, the goaltending that they have, but you look at the people-first mentality and how these teams are just built on having good people, people that get along, fun rooms, these guys can keep it light, they're friends off the ice. That chemistry and that sincerity, I think, goes a long way in some of these playoff runs and just building organizations the right way. And it's no coincidence that... Both the Golden Knights and the Panthers find themselves in this position given the people that they have put on their teams, on their staff, and overall around their entire organization. So I hope that sets you up for Game 1 tonight between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. Again, both teams looking to capture their first ever Stanley Cup in their second ever Stanley Cup final appearance. Golden Knights at home for the first couple of games, looking to keep that home ice advantage that they've had against the Florida Panthers, who have never won at T-Mobile Arena. 0-4-1 all time are the Panthers in the Fortress, so we'll see if the Golden Knights can keep that trend going tonight with a big victory in Game 1. As a reminder as well, Marshmallow will be performing at 2.45 on Toshiba Plaza. All the activations begin at 2 p.m., so come down early, have a lot of fun on Toshiba Plaza, And even if you don't have a ticket to the game, again, there will be a watch party for Game 1 right outside of T-Mobile Arena on the plaza. So stay, watch the game, and have fun with your fellow VGK fans. I'll take a moment now to remind you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a moment of the team's quest for the Stanley Cup right here on VGK Today. Tomorrow we have a recap of Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final between the Golden Knights and the Panthers. Justin Russo signing off for episode 48 of VGK Today, presented by MGM Rewards.